The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In the past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Welcome to The Career Confidant, and thank you for tuning in, whether you're tuning in live or downloading the podcast. We are so glad that you're getting value from the show. This is your host, Marie Zimanoff. And as the promo kind of tells you, if you're listening to that, we are here to help you get the tools and resources and skills that you need to take control of your own career. Knowing that in today's world, we are becoming more and more in charge of where we go and if we're successful and in gaining the skills that we need to be able to do those things, to move up in our career to find new jobs, to start our own businesses. We're kind of on our own. So I am here as your partner in helping to get the skills and the information that you need and to wade through some of the confusing information that's out there so that you can be successful in your career. And as as always, if you have questions for me or or want to make a comment, you're more than welcome to call in live at 866-472-5790, or you can email me at marie, M-A-R-I-E, at astrategicadvantage.com with your questions, and I, I look forward to those and Love getting those from all of you who are out there listening. So, today, and if you are busy, and, and I'm, I'm sure everyone is at this time of year, you're getting your kids back to school, or you're dealing with increased traffic because of kids going back to school, whatever it might be in your world, I always notice that August and September are a time when everybody starts thinking about their resume, whether it's I'm going to get a new job or I just think that this should be updated, I'm thinking about my career, I'm thinking about where I'm going next, and it's a good time for us to do that, to really look at your resume and whether you're making a move right now or not, if you keep it updated, it's a little bit easier to go back to when you need it. So I'm going to give you some tips today. And really today we're going to be talking about some of the mistakes that I see people make across the board. And then at the very end of the show, I'm going to talk about the worst advice that I hear people getting or giving about resumes. And 
resumes are a challenging topic. Even for professionals in my world, it is a marketing document. And we talked about that back in February, kind of what's the purpose of a resume. And if you want some of that talk and do you really need one, you might pick up that show from the end of February and listen to that. But it is a marketing document. And so part of what happens when you're marketing yourself is that it's not cut and dry. It's not prescribed. There's no formula, which we're going to talk about a little bit today. And that makes it challenging when we're trying to get feedback on our resume because everybody has a different opinion. I often say that opinions about resumes are a lot like watches. Almost everybody has one and they think theirs is right. You can get that with cell phones now. Whatever it is that people consider their watch, they think that their time is is right. And, and with cell phones, maybe you'd actually find everybody has the same time. But even with those, sometimes you'll find people have a different opinion. And it's frustrating, right? I think even maybe a better analogy is it's like doctors all giving you different ideas of what might be wrong with you if you are you going to to different doctors to try to figure out what's wrong with you or what medication you should take or even what um, supplements you should take. If you read the internet, you can find 10 different highly qualified doctors that will talk about totally different prescriptions you should take or supplements you should take and sometimes even say that this one's horrible for you, but then a doctor on the other side says this one's great for you you're going to see the same thing with resumes. And it's very challenging when you're trying to do yours, quote unquote, right. And so we're going to talk about today some different ways to think about it. And some of the mistakes that I see people making are related to this trying to be right when it's really about marketing. And so it's subjective. It's It can be strategic. And it isn't some of the things that it used to be, which was where you get into some of the bad advice. So the first thing to watch out for, the first pitfall that will be the black hole of your resume writing efforts is trying to be all things. Trying to sell a Ferrari and a Yugo in the same commercial. Whatever analogy you want to come up with, when you are trying to shove too many products into a marketing piece, you lose the value, you lose the ability to connect with your target audience. It just doesn't work. So if you are trying to apply to several different types of positions, then you'll need several different types of resumes, one to match each type of position. And the more that you can be clear about those different buckets, right, I call them the the what and where, what type of work and, and where being the kinds of businesses, industries, and sometimes even the geography can matter. It drives the target audience, the where does, and the what is the product. If you can get focus on those two things and create some little buckets, and write resumes that market each bucket, you will have so much easier time 
writing your resume. When you are trying to write a resume that will appeal to, I was working with a a client who was trying to get jobs in academics, right, a program coordinator, research coordinator types of jobs in academics, or maybe some kind of program coordinator role in the hospitals, or maybe some kind of training role in a business, right? You can see really quickly how speaking to all those different skill sets, audiences, needs, pains is going to become challenging. So create your buckets and be able to do your effective marketing by knowing the product that you're selling to those people and what their needs are specific to that audience. The challenging thing about doing this is that it starts to feel like we are narrowing and cutting things out. Good. If you feel that little nudge of, I don't know, it seems like I'm narrowing, then you're probably doing it right, right? Because when you're open to everything, you stand for nothing. You hear that a lot, and you, but when you're struggling with your resume, ask yourself, am I really focused? Because when you're focused, it's much easier to write. When you're focused, you know what you're writing about. When you're focused, you know what your target audience is looking for and what's important to them. And we'll talk more about that, but that's really the foundation of your resume. The other thing that I do that helps with that focus is put a title on the top of your resume. Right, You've got your name, your address block or LinkedIn profile, email, whatever it is you've got there is contact information, then I want a headline, if you will. And that title is the thesis of the essay that is your resume, right? That that title is the bow that says, this is the package that I'm creating. If you can't put a title on there, you're not focused enough. If you want to take the job title that you're applying for and put it up there, and then build a resume that speaks to that, that's perfectly fine. Again, if you're doing that for 10 different types of jobs, you're gonna wear yourself out. So the more focused you can build your search, the less you'll have to change your document and the more effective each document will be. So thinking about your focus, that is the first challenge. Your first challenge is to really think about, am I trying to be all things to all people or do I have a clear idea of what I'm selling and who I'm selling it to? Again, when you try to be all things, you get yourself into trouble. It becomes a lot harder. So when you have that focus, the second thing I see people do is that they try to fit into some kind of structure or rules, right? And when you have your focus, then you can be more strategic. The positioning of the document can be defined by that focus. You can filter all the advice that you get by understanding your focus, understanding what you're trying to promote and who you're trying to promote it to. And if the advice that you're getting doesn't jive with that knowledge that you have then it probably isn't worth fiddling everything around with for if you can get good information about 
the package you're presenting and the audience, great. All the other peripheral stuff and all the people with their rules and whatever kind of advice they're trying to give you, it'll be much easier to filter that out when you have focus. And that focus really allows you to be strategic, to build a marketing document that really highlights what you know it should highlight to meet the audience's needs that you're looking at. So you might decide to put your education first. You might decide to put your computer skills at the bottom or at the top or to be able to list your roles as the titles that you were given or more functions of what you were actually doing. You can use some of the strategies of marketing in your document because you have that focus and you can make strategic decisions so that you are building your own marketing strategy versus trying to fit your stuff into some kind of template or rules that someone else has said you need to follow. Are there best practices for your resume? Definitely. Are there things that you can do to make it easier for the reader? Sure. But is there a specific way you have to do it? No. There's some flexibility there. And again, taking that flexibility is best when it's done for strategic reasons and that strategy is built on your what and your where. So we're thinking about kind of concepts here. These are bigger concepts of your resume. We're going to get into the nitty-gritty. But that mindset that you start with your resume is probably the most important. Understanding that it's a marketing document, that if you're trying to be all things, you're going to have a hard time writing it, and it's going to fall flat almost no matter where you send it. And that the document isn't a one-size-fits-all strategy Resume writing isn't a a science per se. It's an art if you want to take that approach. And it does allow you flexibility to be able to market yourself if you can do it in a strategic way and not a helter-skelter way and still follow some of the best practices that we talked about back in February, which we'll touch on a little bit as we go through our time today. So we'll be back in just a few minutes, and we're going to continue talking about some of the most common pitfalls that I see people fall into when they're trying to write their resume and preparing for this job search season. I know there's a lot of you out there working on your resume, so I look forward to questions and to helping you get these resumes ready to go. So we'll be back in just a few minutes. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. 
We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant, and today we are talking about resumes as it is a popular time for people to be working on their resume for either a review and an evaluation period that's coming up or for the job search. It is that season, so I'm here to provide some information for you to consider, some ideas to ponder, and really some areas to highlight if you're getting stuck Here's a few things that might be part of what's getting you stuck. So we talked a little bit about trying to be all things. And that is usually where I see people who are struggling with their resume. It's because they're trying to write everything they've ever done, trying to speak to three different types of audiences. And it's a challenge, right? It just doesn't work that way. So when we're thinking about our resume, we sit down to write it and we're, we're having trouble. And sometimes this even happens to me if I'm working with a client who's not quite yet set in their path, I sit down to write their resume for them. And I, I notice right away that, oh, they must not be focused enough because this just is not coming together the way it should. And so I go back with them and say, okay, we need to dig here a little bit more and get a few more position descriptions that really twist in the jar here so that we can create a resume focused on that, create a resume focused on on this. Again, if you have too many hats that you're trying to wear, probably gets confusing and might be a sign to look at your bigger overall career job search focus and tighten that focus in so that you've got three or four buckets at the most where you're trying to write a resume for that, what, and where. Trying to be all things, typically a game stopper, frustration creator, right? The next thing is strategy. So once we know what we want, where we're going, who we want to talk to, then we start getting all this feedback from people like me who say, well, you should do that, and you should do this, and you should do that. Yikes, right? If you know what you're trying to sell and who you're trying to sell it to, you know the values that they have, what they're looking for, you can craft your resume according to a strategy that works for them. A few caveats here. Most employers 
want to see some kind of chronological work history, if you're in any kind of professional position, administrative assistant position, and manager, director, executive, they want to see what you did, where you did it, give me some tangible value. And it's really hard to do that if you pull the accomplishments and meet away from the companies like in a skills-based or functional resume. So be careful with that. It can be a good strategy. It can work. And if you think you're quote-unquote transitioning and that's why you're doing it, just go back and think about, will the employer want to see my work history? Is my work history a differentiator? Will it help me compete against other people? Or do I really want to look more entry-level because that's what a skills-based or functional resume does to you? Or do I really want to highlight a skill set because I really think I'm making a big change? And I put big emphasis on a big change. I was talking with a lady a few years ago who was transitioning from being an administrative assistant to a bookkeeper or accounting person. That is not a big change. And that employer will want to see her experience in a chronological setting will help her compete. If she does a skills-based resume, she's going to look entry level. She's going to be competing against all these people that maybe don't have experience and and she won't compete against them very well because she's going to look like them versus she can look like she has experience if she uses a more chronological format. Now, talking about formats, my biggest rule, I guess, if there are any rules, be careful of templates. In fact, I would just say don't use them. Templates within Word look like everybody else's who uses the template, right? Now, are there like 20 hundred different ways that you can create your resume? Actually, yes, but most people aren't that serious about it. But if you go get a book, you can create a document that uses a, elements of a few different things that you like. So it looks a little bit different and and has some kind of a personality to it. Does it have to have color? No. Do I use color? Yes. Does it have to have lines? No. Can you use them? Yes. They're not going to mess up an, an applicant tracking system. So all of these different things that you can do to make it look a little bit different can help you. But even if you create a plain Jane kind of document, It'll be better starting from scratch than with a template because a template also does a lot of bad things to your document. It creates tables that you might not know are there, which can hide information from applicant tracking systems. It makes it hard to move things because it's set in it certain little ways and this is the only way it's going to do it. So don't worry about the template. Start from scratch. Create a document. Start with a blank document but having something written down can be nice so you don't feel so much anxiety about that blank page and if you want to look at samples look at books look at books go to the library 
My favorites are by Louise Kersmark and Wendy Enelow. They've got an expert resume series. But any book of resumes published after 2008, 2009 is going to give you a good feel for the new look in resumes. And, of course, the newer the book, the better you'll be at connecting with what's going on in the market today. When you look online, you get a bunch of junk, right? And I'm sorry, but about.com has some of the worst resume examples that I've ever seen. And a lot of them are that trying to be all things to all people kind of approach. Get a book. Publisher had to look at it, say that it's good stuff. And people usually usually have to have quite a bit of credentials before they will be published. Pat Crescito also has some great books. That's C-R-I-S. CTO, Crescito, I'll look that up. But she also has some great books that are more focused on all the different designs that, that you might be able to use. But beware of the template. It makes you look like everybody else, and it's going to make it harder for you to maneuver, manipulate, do what you want to do in that document. All right, so we've got our blank page. What are we going to put on it? Well, of course, as we talked about, we're starting with our contact information and that headline. Then we've got to have our summary. About eight years ago, the summary was this generic four-line statement of, I'm a results-oriented sales professional, or I'm a multitasking support professional. Be careful of that summary. It still might need to have some of that language in there, to demonstrate what the job description is looking for, right, and to get it through applicant tracking systems. But that summary is no longer a generic bleh of words. That summary is meant to highlight what makes you different. What is your brand? If you've listened to any of our sessions on branding, what makes you different? What makes you good at what you do? Why do you do what you do? And how can you formulate that in a professional statement, professional way? But it it needs to not be generic. It needs to not be something that everybody could write about themselves. Not one in a million, but not everybody could copy that, paste it, put it on their resume. I want it to be about you. Short, sweet, doesn't have to be fluffy, right? It's what are you? What do you do? What makes you good at what you do? Had an engineer come up after a presentation I gave on branding recently, and he said, so I'm having trouble with this brand, right? Because I don't want to be fluffy. And I said, well, tell me what you do. And he says, well, I do mechanisms. I design mechanisms. And I said, well, that's a pretty clear brand, right? That's a good, a good, clear what you do. Can we expand on that a little bit, right? What makes you good at it? Why do you do it? Sure. But the core of what he wants to make sure he communicates is that brand. And I gave him this example that a few years ago I was working with a software manager. And I said, well, tell me what you do. And he said, well, I build offshore development teams. It's like, well, nowhere on your resume would I see quickly that you build offshore development teams. Right. If that's what you do, that's the essence of who you are, that's what you're good at, that's what the summary should be built around. That should be the first statement. The fear with that 
well, what if somebody's not looking for someone who does that? Well, then guess what? It's probably not a good fit. Well, what if I don't want to do that anymore? Well, then figure out what you do want to do, and that should be the first statement of your resume or that summary. And the summary is getting shorter. We move from this lengthy, generic, mobile gook of words to a little lengthy, branded description of who I was. And usually those branded statements include some kind of highlights, accomplishments, really brief, catchy statements that are substantiated in the document. They're not standalone, but they're kind of the highlight, sexy marketing stuff in the summary. And now it's getting even shorter to where some of the branded pieces is going away a little bit and just really hard-hitting accomplishment value statements that build your brand, right? Your brand doesn't have to be fluffy. It's a compilation of the best things about you. And those can be accomplishments. They can be value statements. They can even be technology statements if that's the world that you're in. So thinking about that summary, I call it a mini cover letter. It's the best way that I can frame it for you. That if you want somebody to know who you are and why you want to work for them and the most important things in your background that relate to them, don't think they're going to get that out of a cover letter because 66% of employers don't read a cover letter until they've already decided that you're worth looking at further. 33% of them are never seeing the cover letter. So that summary is your place to highlight your best stuff that addresses their pains and tells them a little bit about why you're different and who you are as a professional because you really want them to want to hire you just like I really want you to want to work there. So those are the things within our summary that we want to make sure we're highlighting. And we're starting that the document from scratch or, or we've got an old one, we're going back and, and fixing it. We want that headline and we want a summary that speaks to who we are, why we're different, what we do, and make sure we're highlighting the key things that they're looking for in their job description. So we're going to take a break here and we're going to come back in just a few minutes and keep talking about the top mistakes that I see people making in their resumes. I will be back in just a few minutes. talking business talk to an expert call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. What does a visual workplace mean to you? 
How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we are talking about the most common pitfalls that I see people fall into when they are trying to write their resume. So we've talked about trying to be all things to all people. We've talked about strategy and how to wade through the river of advice that you might get by really having a strategy that's built on what you want people to see about you and what's important to that audience. Talked about templates and don't use them, right? Get some books, look at some examples, build something from scratch. And then we talked a little bit about the summary and how the summary has evolved from a generic collection of words to something that was more branded unique individual for that person to something now that's a little bit shorter, snappier, you know, almost like a a marketing brochure needs to be where it really just speaks to what the audience wants to know. I see that as your mini cover letter. So one of the things that is, it's coming up in the, the resume world. I definitely don't think it's there for everyone yet is using pronouns in the resume. I, me, my. It can just look unprofessional. It it really needs to be done when it makes sense for your target audience and sparingly at that. Your resume is not a cover letter. Your resume is a, almost a, value statement, accomplishment-focused brochure that speaks to an audience. And when you use too many pronouns in your cover letter or in your resume or even in your LinkedIn profile, you just sound like you are all about you. And that's going to get in your way with almost any employer. Not using pronouns in your resume makes it faster, snappier, more active, right? Those the verbs and, and not using complete sentences makes it faster to read, makes it more active. Once you start getting the full sentences in there, you really just lose your reader. I know that there's people out there who will say it makes it more your story, 
we can tell your story without the pronouns, and it'll be faster, snappier, easier to read. Now, can you go too far with a fast, snappy? Yes, you can make it choppy and hard to read. There's a happy medium in there somewhere, I promise. When I've got paragraphs and full sentences, I usually just don't get the information that I need. And I I kind of wonder about professionalism and writing ability. I don't know why, but it's just not mainstream yet to be using those things in your resume. And so, again, that's really where you've got to decide is that strategy makes sense for you when somebody says, oh, the new thing is to use pronouns. Does that make sense for you? And I can tell you that if you're an engineer applying to a traditional company, it most likely 90% of the time doesn't make sense for you. If you're a salesperson, marketing person, or maybe even a technical person that's applying to a new age kind of company, then it, it might work. But I don't know that the benefit you get from it is worth the chance of it coming onto the desk of someone like me who would see it as unprofessional. So think about that. It's part of your strategy for sure. And when you use those things, you sound like you're all about you. So be careful. Thinking about that is going to be a challenge. And it might be really easy advice to ignore if you you didn't like it anyways, right? You didn't think it fit for you anyways and your brand, whatever it might be. We're not all expecting you to use pronouns, I promise. Most of the recruiters that I talk to really could care less either way. And when you've got them in there, it makes it harder to read because usually it requires that you're writing full sentences, which are harder to skim, which is what most people are doing with resumes is skimming them cover letter different story you can have those things in there and you still want to want to watch how much it sounds like you are about you because that me focus is one of the other pitfalls i see people fall into that this is all about me my cover letter is all about me my resume is all about me not really right it's marketing you that's true But when we're marketing, we're really thinking about the target audience and we're doing things that make sense for that target audience and we're promoting what makes sense for them. We're highlighting what makes sense for them. We're not highlighting stuff we think is important necessarily unless we can tie it to what they need, what they're looking for. That's the strategy part, right? That's what we're talking about. So... In terms of content, we've talked a little bit about philosophy and some structural stuff. In terms of content, I still see people doing this. If you have the phrase responsible for in your resume, you are out of date. And it's really easy to get up to date because you just take that out. Right, if you were responsible for managing something, managed something, just take out the responsible for and change your verb tense and voila, you look more up to date and it's more active, it's easier to read, gets to the point quicker. All of those things happen so easily by removing a responsible for. 
same thing accountable for accountable for sometimes can still work if it's a budget number or something but my guess is there's still a better active word that you could use administered oversaw managed whatever it might be whereas accountable for makes it passive it it makes it removed from you and clunky to read so easy one in terms of language to go through and, and just get rid of now of course in content the biggest difference maker and the biggest difference maker that I work for with every person I work with on their resume is content content You know, they're saying content is king in terms of marketing. Well, guess what? Content is king in terms of your resume. Is what in there important? Is what is in there of value to the employer? Is what is in there show value, right? I don't want any duties. I want how you added value, and the duties can be wrapped into those statements or very briefly listed before those statements. I want to know what you did why it mattered, and kind of why I should care, but that will come with the what you did and why it mattered, right? If you are looking at challenge action result kinds of stories, I want you to lead with the result, and then the actions and the challenge can kind of spice up the the sentences, the bullets, and they can still be short, right? You can still boil it down. But I don't want to lose the essence of the result, for sure, and the challenge, and then the actions. That's the order of importance. And if lower-level positions, the challenge will be less important. Executive-level positions, the challenge can be even more important. That context behind what made it difficult, why is it important? I'm talking to a a client who wants to take a step up in the operations side of of businesses. And, you know, his his resume just reads at the operational level. And if you want to take a step up, that's one of the things that we need to do is be able to tell it in the language of where you want to be, right? Not tell it in the language of where you've been. And, of course, we're going to do that without overstating it or lying, for sure. It's just about language and focus that can transform you on paper from one thing to the other. Take the same experience and, and decide what you want the focus to be, and you can tell it very differently while still being accurate because you're communicating it in a different lens, right? You're saying, okay, now I'm not going to be a counselor anymore. I'm going to be a a business development person. And if you run a counseling practice and you've built that practice, right, we can create a resume for you as a counselor, and then we can create a resume for you as a business development person. And they're going to sound completely different, even though they might be accurate, because we're communicating to the audience what they care to hear, either the counseling parts and the interventions that you used or the business parts and how you grew your business and what you grew it to and all of the processes that you built for sales. So if we're really clear about our focus 
it's really clear, easy to dig into our experience and find the stories that matter, right? Find the stories that speak to the skill sets that people care about where we're going. Get out of the language of where we are now. And that's probably the hardest thing to do. Get out of the language of where you are now into the language of where you're going. If you want to take a step up, if you want to do something different, that will be your challenge. Best done when you've got a clear picture of where you're going because then you know what stories to pull out to share that are important for where you're going. I call that the tell it versus prove it, right? Telling me what you did and duties often is what you were supposed to do, right? I don't really even know that you did it if you frame it in terms of duties or responsible for versus prove it. Tell me what you did. Tell me what was the result of of those things, how you added value. And I would say that we're on the cusp of an evolution from that quantitative result being the most important thing to the challenge and story and context along with the result being the most important thing. And recruiters typically like a lot of content on the document. It's just got to be organized well, easy to skim, and not fluffy, right? We are talking about getting stories in there that matter, but they don't have to be one-liners and, and a, you know, it, it can have some depth to it if it's organized well, spaced well, easy to read, and easy to scan. So those are the biggest mistakes that I see people making with their resume, trying to be all things to all people, not filtering through a strategy of some kind, using templates, having a generic summary or no summary or an unclear summary because they're trying to be all things to all people, using informality or pronouns in a way that's not becoming to them, having a me focus, not paying attention to the audience and selling what needs to be sold to the audience, using responsible for, which usually is a deeper problem where we're talking duties instead of results, and they're telling it instead of proving it. So we're going to come back in just a few minutes, and I'm going to go through some of the worst advice that I've had my clients get from friends, family, and yes, sometimes even recruiters. So we'll be back in just a few minutes and finish up here with the worst advice that you cannot pay attention to if you don't want to. We'll be back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. The way we do banking today continues to evolve. 
No longer is it just brick and mortar locations or traditional banker's hours. Today, banking is 24-7. It's in the home. It's on the go. It's digital. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how traditional banking as we know it has changed due to a loss of trust, changing economic conditions and consumer behavior, government involvement, and, of course, technology. What does it all mean? Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. All right. So we are back here on The Career Confidant talking about resumes and if you are trying to get your resume ready for this upcoming fall job search season I hope that this has been helpful to you just to think about some of the places that you might be getting stuck or doing things in a way that's not helpful for you and we've talked a lot about strategy and being able to filter advice that you're getting and even what I'm saying today based on knowing what you want people to see, what you're packaging in terms of your experience and your skill set, and who that audience is. And that if you're able to have that clear picture, you can filter a lot of the, the advice that you might see out there and get, does this make sense for me and my target audience? Is this going to be the best way to promote what I want them to see And hopefully that's based on some kind of research, even a job description, so that you're really clear on what you want them to see. And not just what you think they should want to see, but really what they want to see. So thinking about our resume and we start building it and we look at some books And then we start to get all of this feedback. And it happens to my clients, which I can think would be so frustrating because you paid for somebody to help you. And then you start to get all of this feedback. First thing is any rule that somebody has around page numbers, don't take it to heart. Think about your strategy. When I hear somebody tell me that a resume has to be one page, I think, okay, they've only hired entry-level people. It makes sense that you would expect and maybe even have a rule that it has to be one page if you're hiring people with less than 7 to 10 years of experience. They should be able to get that on one page. I agree. If you are a person that has more experience than that, and you want to get paid for that experience, then it may not be the best strategy for you to have a one-page resume. A couple examples. 
first working with a sales guy who made in the mid 100s, right, 150,000, would not get any interviews off of a one-page resume, was struggling, struggling, struggling. Unfortunately, had paid for that one-page resume to be built. As soon as we gave them more depth of what he'd done, the challenges that he'd overcome to make those sales, right, sales is one of those areas where listing your quotas and your percentages no longer is a differentiator. I need to know what challenges you overcame to make that. I need to know what the goals were that you beat, right? If you increase sales by 20%, but the goal was 30, you missed it. And so sales recruiters are getting a lot more savvy about looking at documents and really asking, what did you overcome to do this? How do I know you're really good? Because everybody's got numbers. And in one page, if you've got 15 years of sales experience and you're really trying to sell that 15 years of experience, you're going to have a hard time doing that on one page. Now, if you've got a recruiter that says, I want a one-page resume, sure, get it to them. That, that doesn't mean that that's how you got to do everything, which we'll talk about as one of the other bad pieces of advice. Also had a academic, and in academics... You know, two pages is almost the minimum, even for high-level staff positions at a university. And working with a candidate who had publications, and, you know, we had three pages, but the last page was education, publications, listings of stuff that is expected in the academic world, even for staff. And somebody said, oh, you've got to have a two-page resume. I said, eh, you know, you're going for a step up. Let's see what happens. For a position that really was kind of a stretch, got an interview, right? So what makes sense for that person? And what makes sense for the audience? And how can you temper some of that advice you're getting around page number? Second thing is, and I just alluded to this, a recruiter might tell you that they want X or that they think X is the best way. Well, just like anybody else, they really don't have any more knowledge or pull than anyone else in the industry. It's just how they prefer it. So adjust it for them, send it to them, but it doesn't mean that you have to do it for everybody unless you continue to get feedback that that's what people expect. was working with a client who was working with recruiters who must have been in the in the world for a long time, which can be a good thing and it can steer you in the wrong direction. And they, the suggestions they were making on his resume were really taking it back eight years plus in terms of verbiage, language, pop. It, it wasn't going to work for him, especially in the high power industry that he was in. So adjust it for that recruiter, send it to them. But it doesn't mean you've got to change your whole strategy just because that one recruiter gives you feedback any more than you would change your whole strategy because someone else gave you feedback. Don't include X. So someone might come out of the woodwork and say, don't include Word and PowerPoint and Excel. Right there. Every, it's a given. Everybody knows how to use those. 
just happened to someone that I was had in a presentation and the university in the town that they're in said, don't put those things on there. It's a given. Well, guess what? If you're going to be an executive assistant, administrative assistant, database manager, those words are going to be required to get through ATS systems. And they're also going to be required for that person to think that you're qualified. I don't think it's necessarily a given that someone knows how to use Excel. Do I want you to tell me how you've used it on your resume, not just list it? Yes. But don't take it off when you know it's important, when you see it on every job description that you're applying to. Same thing with results-oriented, right? If it's on everything you're applying to as a salesperson, it needs to be in there. I just don't want it to be the first phrase that brands you because it's generic brand, but it can still be in there so that it helps you get through ATS and helps you be seen as the person that they want for that position. Last one is around dates, right? People will say, only put 10 years on there. Well, guess what? If you're 50 and you only put 10 years on there, you walk through that door when I was expecting a 30-year-old and your brand has trouble connecting. Maybe I even feel like you're dishonest. So put the number of years on there that you think makes sense for you. I really don't want you going back to the 80s. I don't think you need to go back there no matter how old you are to the 80s. But it doesn't do you any good to look 30 on paper if you're going to look 50, 55 when you walk through my door. So be careful of that advice as well. Do what makes sense for you. Do what fits with what your brand is that you're trying to put forward. So I hope that you're able to get through some of the resume advice that's out there and get your resume updated so you can join in in this hiring season that's upcoming. And we are going to have a replay next week, but then in September we have some great guests scheduled. So I look forward to seeing you right back here on The Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then.